following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Welcome to Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD, online at WFMD.com and on the FM at 99.9 HD2. This is the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. Joined this week again by the Razvies, Imran Razvi and Daniel Razvi. The three of us are pastors of house churches in the area. And our partner in crime, another pastor of a house church, uh, um, could not be with us. He's, uh, I guess, uh, he wasn't the one under the weather. I guess uh, family members under the weather, and he could not be with us, David Forsey. But uh, he hopefully will be with us on our next show. And we can give him a hard time for, uh, you know, clearly his family didn't wear a mask and get the shots, and he would be fine otherwise. So, because, they, you know, that is, the, that is the truth, because we always tell the truth. You know, I think it's on our minds. I'm going to bring it up and if we don't get to the prepared subjects. But I jokingly said last week or a week before, uh, I, I said something playfully and it wasn't, it was clearly not a true thing, whatever it was I said. And I said, it's not a lie. To, uh, it's not a sin to lie, is it? And then we just moved on with the show. But uh, after the show was over, Daniel Razvi said to me, you know, I, 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 I should have retorted because I was thinking it and didn't have time to say it in the context of what was going on in the show. But it's not really a sin to lie. Not and necessarily. So, right, not necessarily. So why don't we, in the spirit of the things we've been talking about in recent weeks, where it's hard truth. to figure out the truth and, you know, from the lies and the importance of the truth and stuff, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Why don't you explain, because I, by the way, there won't be a whole lot of debate, I don't think, because I agree with you, mm-hmm. but um, why would you say that it's not necessarily a lie, I mean, a sin to lie? Well, I, th- I think uh, Christians have this idea that Oh, you should be truthful. And, and yes, you should be truthful. And many people assume that it's a bad thing or it's a sin to tell a lie. And in many cases, in fact, probably the majority of lies are, in fact, sinful. Um, but the Bible never actually says that it is a sin to lie in that kind of a blatant type of statement. There's a commandment. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And that's conflated a lot of times when people try to simplify the Ten Commandments. They say, oh, well, that commandment says, don't lie. That's not what it says. It says, don't bear false witness. Don't go around telling people that so-and-so did something, and therefore I'm trying to get them punished for it legally in in the court system. That's what it's talking about. Now, there's other passages that says the Lord hates a lying tongue, somebody who's a habitual liar, that you know they're not trustworthy, that type of thing. But there's a lot of examples in the Bible of a lie actually being a, a uh, honorable thing. For example, Rahab. Rahab lied blatantly. She said to the other people in her city of Jericho, hey, these men came, they left, they went that way, and they were right behind her or yeah. above For her the uninitiated, roof. there were um, spies from Israel because they were going to conquer Jericho, and they went there, and she was part of the enemy city. And yeah, she protected them, and she misdirected the uh, the forces from Jericho. So she she lied to them, and in effect, she lied to her king mm-hmm. right, uh, by by doing so. And yet, she's held up as uh, as as a wonderful example for for Christians. Yeah, and, and in case the 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 passage in uh, Joshua about Israel winning the the ensuing battle was not enough for us to understand that what she did was right. Hebrews goes on in great detail about. A Rahab was a righteous person. Right, and, she's in the Hall of and, Faith. Yeah, she's a faithful person, and this is great, a great thing that she did. 
Um, another example, is, which is maybe a little bit more controversial, is, is when David went and he was uh, fleeing from Saul, and he lied to the priest, actually, and said, ah, I'm here um, because I'm on a mission from Saul, and can I have the, the holy bread, and like, can I have this, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And it, Jesus gave that as an example of something, oh, well, of course David could have done that. You know, what, was that wrong? Meaning it wasn't to do what, whatever David did there. So there are examples throughout the Bible of somebody telling a falsehood. Yeah, well, the Egyptian midwives are an example mm-hmm. too, right? Where Absolutely. The Hebrew women are lively. They give birth before yeah. we get a chance to kill the yeah. babies. They, they spit those babies out like they're nothing, like Pez dispensers for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah. to be fair, the Bible doesn't say that that was a lie. So, you know, maybe, maybe they were doing it. No. But it does, say, it does say the midwives were saving the men children alive. Right, right. And then Pharaoh's like, why, why did you do that? And they made up this story. Now, so that you don't misunderstand, the Bible does give us examples where lying was not appropriate. You know, Abraham yes. famously twice <laughs> misrepresents his relationship with his wife. And he was even telling the truth. She was his sister. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, what he wasn't saying was, also, yeah. So, so, so there's actually, an example, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Exactly. That's where we get that phrase from. Yeah, because she was his sister, his half-sister. Right. Uh, so he wasn't lying, but also his wife. And that's what he was really lying about. And he was doing it out of fear. Mm-hmm. And he was putting his wife in jeopardy. Right. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about, you know, we have freedoms and liberties so that we can fulfill our responsibilities before God. Talk about a not-so-chivalrous way to act. And to your, it's beyond not-chivalrous, right? I mean, his, his oh. response—probably his, his primary responsibility as the husband is to protect his wife. <laughs> right. That's like the first rule, protect your wife. Mm-hmm. And he violated the first rule. That's why David, you know, his first rule with his troops is to make sure they can eat, mm-hmm. not starve to death. So what's more important, tell a little, you know, fib to, uh, to, the, to the priest or feeding your troops so they don't starve to death? So, I mean, yeah, some yeah. of it. And Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. So even the, him counting as righteousness, he was doing this. And it's not situation ethics. So we, we want to clarify that. It's not like the situation determines what your ethics are. God's truth is what God's truth is. Right. So you apply God's truth to the situation. You don't apply the situation to what what is allowed to be the truth you know that's that there's a difference there so i don't want to i don't want us to be misunderstood because situational ethics is a so a, i got a question a for you we've been talking about abraham why is it that when abraham didn't tell the whole truth why did god punish the king instead of abraham hmm i haven't thought about that question you have an answer i hope I'm, i was asking for your opinion oh <laughs> um because should the king have known? Should he have been more diligent in asking? I don't well, that's know. What, and that's why God said, well, I didn't, that's why I kept you from actually sinning and committing adultery with this woman that you thought wasn't married. Um, so he did protect him from that. Otherwise, and, and God said, otherwise, I would have just killed you if you'd done that. I have loved whom I have loved. Does that ring a bell? You know, God chooses and he chose Abraham. And even though Abraham did something that was not, un, that was not godly, God still protected him. And one of the things that I wanted to bring this to the table here is you could have committed a lot of sins, but God has a purpose for you. And if you come to God and repent and ask for his forgiveness, you will be relieved of that sin and you will be holy and be able to be with him. So this is an example in the Bible that should really give you hope that God has a purpose for you. Seek him and give him your life. And you're not relieved of that sin because God, you know, uh, winks at his own justice and his righteous standard, uh, that sin, whatever sin you're wrestling with, listener, um, it's paid for. 
Just in not, full. Yeah, just not by you. Yeah, if you're willing to allow, you know, that payment. If you're willing to repent and right. allow that payment. Right. And God doesn't, you know, suspend his justice laws just because, of, you know, uh, uh, you're one of the good people. Uh, you know, another good example, which is a little bit unrelated, but along the same vein, is the woman taken in adultery. A lot of people say, oh, this is an example of Jesus changing the law, saying we're no longer going to kill adulterers. Well, no, what, what Jesus said is, okay, first, well, first of all, there's a lot of procedural issues with that. The guy wasn't there. They said he was in the act, taken in the act, but the guy wasn't there. And, and, yeah, and anyway, he it was said, an illegitimate right. uh, legal so Jesus, proceeding. Jesus really. made a couple comments about the procedure. Yeah. and He's like, oh, okay, yeah, fine, we can stone her, but you know, whoever is sinless, you, you start. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And they all left. And then the woman's like, well, so, uh, um, or, you know, or Jesus says to the woman, you know, where are your accusers? She's like, well, nobody's here anymore. He's like, okay, well, I'm not accusing you either then. And not that she didn't commit the sin or that she wasn't guilty no of it. Yeah, she, go, go and sin no more. But, but also there, even within the law of God, you couldn't stone an adulterer with no witnesses. Right, and, and, and so Jesus was God. He's he's he and even if you God, had a witness, to. that wasn't enough either. Right, you had to well, have more I mean, than one witness. And the sin is going to separate us from God eternally, and so that's why he said, "Go and sin no more." And her sins will be forgiven in the eternal life if she trusts on Christ. Um, but the actual punishment on earth, you know, that wasn't going to happen because there's no witnesses anymore. You know, I don't know that we've ever done a show on the, a topic, the question I'm going to ask you in a second. And it certainly wasn't on my mind, on my radar to, to get into on this show. But you mentioned Corey Ten Boom and this question popped up. I mentioned my that head. before the show, by the way. Oh, was it before in, in case, the show? Yes, it was yeah, in case, the show. in case anybody's oh, okay. listening, like, I didn't hear Corey. <laughs> yes, oh. you didn't miss it. Oh, right before the show, he mentioned Corey Ten Boom. And now it popped back into my head. And I'm thinking the, the idea of you know, righteous lies, right? You know, if you're hiding a Jew who you know that if they, if they find the Jews that you're hiding, they're going to kill them. You know, it's totally appropriate. And I had this conversation before I get to my, my question I want to throw you guys. I had a conversation similar to this with somebody in my family who was, you know, wrestling with all the strangeness in the world. And like, when is, is it ever appropriate and okay to misrepresent things because, uh, you're trying to stay away from something that's wrong and bad and evil or whatever. Like, what's the way to handle this? I mean, we have to tell the truth all the time, right? Lying is a sin, right? And I said, well, no, lying. The Bible does not say that lying is necessarily a sin. To your point, uh, Daniel, you know, the generally Christians should be truthful and good to our word and all this, but there is such a thing as a righteous mistruth. And um, one way of thinking about this it's not the part of uh, Romans 13 that has been uh, bandied about a lot in the year, uh, last year and a half. Uh, but right after the verses, or actually it's part of the same passage, but there's a few verses that are talking about, you know, you have to do whatever the government tells you, the, you know, that misapplication of Romans 13. Right after that, uh, I forget exactly which verse number it is in, in uh, Romans 13, but it's basically saying that you are to give uh, honor uh, that's due to the one whom honor is due. And I said, you know, telling somebody the truth is an honorable thing to do. So you honor someone by telling them the truth. But if they don't deserve the truth, if they're dishonorable and their intentions are dishonorable, then they don't deserve the truth from you. And so there's no dishonor. They've already dishonored themselves. And so in that case, it's totally okay to misrepresent because it's for a, a better, higher good. They, don't, they haven't and, deserved the truth from you. And sometimes telling the mistruth brings honor. To the one who honor whom honor is due, 
I mean, there's been times that I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I do know on rare occasion I've been chivalrous and a, a decent fellow. And there's been times when um, somebody didn't do something that was all that becoming, and nobody knew for sure what the situation was. And so, you know what? To save the person the shame, to have them be dishonored, I just took the heat. You know, you know what? Yeah. That was my fault. You know what? It, it really, no, I— I, I don't want to get into the details. It was, it was my fault. And in some sense, maybe there was some small element where maybe I had. But usually, no. It was usually like, you know what? Like, I'm thinking in terms of like when I was in management and one of my one of my team would do something wrong and they're getting a lot of heat. Well, ultimately, the buck stops with me as the manager. You know, so I didn't, wasn't directly involved. But you know what? I obviously didn't train them well enough. I didn't prepare them well enough. I didn't, you know, there's something wasn't right there. So they made a mistake. I mean, Technically, it was their fault. I get it. Right. But to spare them the heat and the embarrassment, I was like, you know what? That's my fault, and I'll make it right to you. So that was a lie, technically, right? But it was an honorable kind of a lie. At least I think so. You guys agree, I hope. Sure. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. i got to go repent. Here's my question as we uh, enter into a hot topic now on the faith debate here on News Radio 930 WFMB. World War II. Corey Tenbo is what made me think of this. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer participates in a conspiracy to assassinate the leader of his country. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he's almost universally held up as a hero for having done so. Should he be held up as a hero? <coughs> I'm not necessarily saying he should be held out as a villain, although that's open for discussion, too, if you think he should be held up as a villain. So there's many people that hold to a very strict interpretation of Romans 13 that would say that, of course, he was a sin forever lifting a hand against anyone in his legal government authority. At the same time, there's a lot of examples throughout Scripture where God commands a certain person to overthrow a government. You know, a good example is Ehud. Ehud um, was a king, right? The very fat man. Mm -hmm. And whoever... One of the funniest stories in the Bible. Yes. It might be the funniest story <laughs> in the what Bible. Was the what was the name of the guy that... No, that the funniest story is when, the, when they're, he's mocking the, the other prophets about, oh, yeah. hey, he might be sleeping. He might yeah, be... your guy's yeah, on a journey. That's true, too. Yeah, <laughs> he's on Elijah's a far journey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, though. You have the guy. Go back to it. Anyway. Yeah. So Ehud was this evil king, and God commands... What was the guy's name? Um, anyway, some God, very godly individual yeah. who's commanded by God to go and assassinate him. This wasn't even in war or self-defense. This was in cold blood. He walked into the king's house, stabbed him. And that's why it's the funny part. It says the dirt came out of his, his bowels and all of that. Um, in the king and he was James. so fat, like his fat and swallows he, up the whole yeah, the knife, sword, yeah. and he couldn't pull the sword back out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... It, it, Here it's, we are it's, laughing at poor guy's demise. Very, very, very gory <laughs> passage, in fact. But the point I'm making is, clearly, God commanded him to go assassinate. And so this, that's actually a very similar situation to Bonhoeffer. Now, did God command Dietrich Bonhoeffer to do that? I think if God commanded him to do that, he probably would have succeeded um, if God got a specific command. But God also commands people to do things that have impact in other ways, and maybe the thing that they're working on doesn't work out the way that they expect based on what they thought God told them. So it could be something that, that he was led and he was a godly person that was doing this. But I think there is room in the Bible for... Um, removing authority. God does place people in authority, but he also removes the authority when it's no longer deserving or allowed by God to be there. Um, you know, a lot of people talk in America about, oh, will we ever have a revolution again someday? Or was the original revolution right? 
because we we should have been still uh, under England, and you know that there there are some interesting theological questions. I've heard some very good arguments on both sides, but I think there are enough examples in the Bible where God says, you know, enough is enough. This kingdom is overthrown, and I'm putting up this other one in its place. And there's nothing uh, necessarily inherently wrong with kingdoms being overthrown and taken over. Um, just it, it just has to be done with the leading of God, And I would say. Closer to our neck of the woods, uh, there's something just down the road from Frederick in Harper's Ferry. Uh, John Brown, famously or infamously, depending on how you want to view what he did, he was a you know, abolitionist, wanted to end slavery like yesterday, and it wasn't happening, and he was lied to by the politicians of his day, which I, I can't understand because that just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> oh, but, a lie. but apparently back then there was some of that going on, and, and uh, wrongs were not being righted, and he decided to take some things into his own hand and hands, and he got himself you know, armed and a bunch of guys to go in it, on it with him, and there was a big showdown in Harper's Ferry, and it went very badly, and people died and all that sort of stuff. And some people to this day argue that John Brown was a hero because he was on the side of right because he wanted to end slavery, you know, chattel slavery with a horrible blight in human history and in this, in this country's history. Uh, but there are others who are saying, no, 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 that's not the way you do things. He was, horrible. He was an evil man for taking up arms in such a way. So there, There's a story more recently. I don't remember the exact names or details, but there was some professing Christian that went and killed and an abortionist and blew up the clinic or burned down the clinic and, or whatever where they were killing millions, uh, thousands of babies. And I forget the guy's name of the story I'm thinking of. It wasn't just any abortionist. It was like a... It was like a, a, like a big-time a, a, abortionist. And that, a late-term, like yeah. one of the only guys in the country that would basically right. murder the baby, baby as it was coming and, out of the vaginal and canal. And he was almost universally condemned by other professing Christians in this country for, oh, this is not the way you do things. But in his mind whether he believed this truthfully from God, whether God told him this or not, he believed that his mandate from God was to protect these people and save lives, and he was saving lives by stopping this guy from killing more. So that that actually is, a, I think, a very close parallel to what uh, uh, John Brown did. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know what the correct answer is. I think God does give people specific directives to do things. Yeah, I think we, for the most part, we have lanes... You know, that maybe that's the best way to think about it. We have lanes that we're supposed to stay in. You know, there's the, you know, we, first of all, we start with ourselves. We are to have authority over ourselves, have self, demonstrate self-control. It starts there. Mm -hmm. but then beyond that, there's the three institutions that God describes for us and gives us in the Bible. You know, one is the family, and there's a structure there, and the husband is supposed to do what husbands are supposed to do, and wives are supposed to do what wives are supposed to do, and children are supposed to do what children are supposed to do, and there's some structure there. And the same thing within the church you know, there's, there's, uh, there are leaders in the church that are supposed to do what leaders are, and they're supposed to look a certain way and behave a certain way, and, and the faithful uh, congregants are supposed to do what faithful congregants are supposed to do and all that sort of thing. And then in, and then in government, you know, there are things the government's supposed to do, and we've so lost sight of what the government's supposed to do because the government really does a whole bunch of things it's not supposed to do. It's doing things that the family should be doing, for example, or the individual should be doing, for example, or maybe even the church should be doing, for example. And so we've lost sight of what the government's really... What is the government primarily supposed to do, though, mm. right? This, the government's been given the sword to, to affect change, to conquer evil, to punish evil and protect the good. And so that's the government's lane. So as I'm thinking this through now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was recognizing the government's not doing what they're supposed to do in their lane. In fact, not only are they not protecting 
the good and just destroying the evil. But they are the evil. They, they must be overthrown. With, but the, the counter-argument for that is public. But with, but with the abortionists, though, the, 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 the gov- it's the government's lane to wield the sword there. Right? And if you don't like that, then you need to overthrow the government, not murder an abortionist. But if the government is not protecting those innocent lives? Then you overthrow the government. You don't murder people because the government won't, won't execute but is it, them. But is it murder if, if it is you're, say, you're doing it in defense? Yeah, so in, def- well, in defense of the babies. Yeah, is that what you're saying? That's, that was his, was his justification. The well, the government's supposed to do that, but but why? they're not doing it. And, and exactly. Why, so, don't, why aren't we supposed to defend the, uh, the innocent? Why aren't we, as a as a Christian, as a person, as a human, supposed to defend the the defenseless? Well, well, we are we are to defend them, but not not with the sword. That's the that's the government's role. You don't agree? I I agree that the government's role is there, but the government has given up that role because they are. Um, wholesale behind the murder of, of babies. Now, I'm not advocating if yeah, no, people, see, I, people I, living, listening to this, I'm not advocating just run down to the street and go no. start do, you know, doing all, all these types of things. Yeah, vigilante justice is not what we're no. going after. We're just but, trying to explain where these people are coming from. The question is, could it, could it be that such a person might have a command from God to go do If somebody like is, is in the act, let's say, you know, you see somebody on the street and they're going to, you know, shoot a pregnant woman in the stomach or something or stab them in the stomach or something like that, and you happen to be carrying a pistol or you have a baseball bat and you're quick on your feet and you can get there fast enough and you bash your skull in, that's totally fine because, you know... It's in the heat of the moment. That's, that's yeah, a, it's in the moment and there's no opportunity for the government to respond. You're the one who's there. You're the one who can make a difference. So, but so when it's a systemic institutional kind of a thing, the government should be doing their job and we should be holding them. Now, I agree with you a thousand percent. The, the government is absolutely derelict in their responsibility. And abortion it's even worse than murder. that. They're participating in yeah, they the evil. They're Not paying only, for it. And the, yeah, they're, and they're, yeah, and they're paying for it. So, so there'd be a better argument for, you know, a January 6th insurrection, <laughs> if that was even an insurrection, which I don't believe that it was. If there was any insurrection that took place, it, it, it was something that was done to those people. The people didn't – seriously. It, right. it, we it, talked it, about that, that. Would, that would be the worst planned insurrection ever. They show up with no weapons. Yes. <laughs> but it was armed. Everybody had two arms. They came with both of their arms and it was but, armed. So I think there's – a because I've wrestled with that – wrestled – I've had the thought go through my head, like, man, if I'm going to be a good, faithful Christian and stand for what's right and defend the innocent lives, maybe I should go kill all the abortionists. Like, maybe that's the godly thing to do. But it's it's not, because it's yeah. not up to you or you or me or anybody who's hearing our voice. It's not up to us to do that. It's up to the government to do that, and it's up to us to hold that government to account, to change that government primarily through the means we have available to us. And if those means available don't, don't work, well, then, yeah, you have a civil war like we had in the 1800s or you have a revolutionary war like you had in the 1700s or, yeah, I mean, that's what we're left with, I think. I think, I think that's I'm, – I'm reasonably confident. I'm not 100 percent, but I'm reasonably confident that that's a, a pretty strong biblical take on that. Yeah, taking somebody's life, uh, unless you can legitimately say God told you and not, not some voices and you're some you know, psychopath and these demons or whatever are speaking to you. If God tells you, which is not going to be that often. To and it's going to have to be consistent with Scripture still. Absolutely have to be consistent with Scripture. Then you don't have that right to do that. Because even in, even in the Old Testament, you know, a lot of people say, oh, there are some really brutal commands in the Old Testament. You know, you're supposed to kill the adulterer and, and, and so on. And, well, 
Yeah, the government was supposed to do that. Exactly. Yeah. You and don't that's just my point. go around killing adulterers. And First of all, you get two witnesses. You have a whole trial. The Absolutely. witnesses say on penalty of death that I saw this happen. And yeah. then the government says, okay, now you execute them. And then maybe all the townspeople join in as to be to be the executioners en masse, but it's the government that's doing that. So that is that is the biblical way. You know, the counter argument though is is that you know Paul wrote Romans thirteen and said you know the gov- obey the government at the time when what was Nero was wasn't Nero the the Caesar? And yeah, but he, he was, was he wasn't the Nero we know. Not yet. Not yet. Romans was was written before uh, the okay. before Nero lost his freaking mind. So it's not so exactly a yeah a little bit different. Anyway. We're going to wrap up on that note. Thank you so much, uh, Daniel and Imran Razvi. I'm Troy Skinner. You can find this show online at WFMD.com. And if you would, visit householdoffaithinchrist.com. And that will connect you with this show and everything else that we're involved with. Householdoffaithinchrist.com. If you don't have faith in Christ, what are you waiting for, man? (laughs) Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right about now. God bless.